Hello, I'm Donna Han, a business coach and online course creator, and this is the She's in Business podcast. You can think of me as your business bestie, who's a few steps ahead of where you are right now. As a mum with young kids fueled with ambition and determination, I know what it's like to work when they sleep. After creating and selling three businesses, I've learnt the lessons, made mistakes, and I understand the daily juggle and the hustle. I also know what it's like when the wheels start to wobble, relationships fray, and burnout taps you on the shoulder. That was my world until I reshaped and transformed the way I ran my six-figure business. Today, I help women transform their businesses and go from being the overwhelmed entrepreneur, feeling exhausted and on the road to burnout, to becoming the thriving entrepreneur, feeling energized, empowered, and fulfilled within their chosen business lifestyle. If you love the creativity, the challenge, and the buzz of building and growing your own business, but you wish there was a way to somehow find a beautiful balance to avoid the path of burnout, then you're right where you need to be. This podcast is designed to inspire your business journey and help you to stop spinning your wheels, be more present with your family, and take the time to pause, rest, and rejuvenate because I want you to burn bright instead of burning out. So I'll share my practical strategies to inspire you to create a lifestyle that you love. And I'll invite other entrepreneurs to share their real life stories too, because I want you to know that you are not alone. You can be the savvy entrepreneur that you were born to be and enjoy the freedom to do the things and be present with the people that mean the most to you. So if you're ready to rise to the next level and build a business by design, This is the She's in Business podcast for mums who are made for more. I'm really thrilled to introduce you to an incredible woman who through a really challenging journey has come out the other side with so much wisdom to share with the world. Brani Benjamin is a keynote speaker, author, and global storyteller whose viral videos have been viewed by more than 2 million sets of eyeballs. That's a lot of eyeballs. (laughs) Whilst working as an executive producer at Australia's largest media outlet for women, mamamia.com, she got the shock of her life. After feeling awful for over a year, she found out that it was because she had cancer all through her body. She decided to turn the camera on herself and Brani started to document her journey in the form of a short video. It's called You Only Get One Life and you should definitely go and check it out. The link is in the show notes. It's raw. It's a portrayal of her experience, which deservingly so went viral, touching millions of people. After that experience, Brani decided to write her first book, which is entitled Life is Tough, But So Are You. And it's what we talk about in this episode. It's a book that's absolutely fabulous to read. And I was lucky enough to read it before it hit the shelves. It's packed with so much value about helpful guidance to get you through any life crisis. But more than that, the pages of this book have the wisdom to improve your everyday life. As you'll hear through the podcast, Bryony is really passionate about helping individuals face the toughest times of their lives with more ease and less fear. And she also encourages everyone that she comes across to live the biggest, most audacious version of their own story. This is a very special podcast, and I really hope that you enjoy it as much as I did in recording it with Bryony Benjamin. 
Okay, so good morning, Bryony, and welcome to the She's in Business podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, Donna. I'm pumped to be here. (laughs) So when we first met, it was actually only a couple of months ago through our mastermind group, and we were at a conference. And I have to say, like standing next to you, just loved your energy. And I felt like there was this, yeah, I felt like there was this beautiful mix of you being calm and centered and totally vibrant and warm and down to earth. So... Oh, thank you. That's so lovely. Yeah, no, totally. (laughs) What a compliment. (laughs) Yeah. And when I think back, I started my conversation with you as, so what do you do? Because we're at a business conference, right? And that's what people do. And I was absolutely oblivious to your story. But once we got talking, I was completely blown away by your journey. And you shared with me that at the age of 30, life became really tough for you. And I wondered if you can share with the listeners of the podcast what happened for you at that time. Yeah. So I was basically living a really busy, fast-paced life. I was head of video at Mamma Mia Women's Network. Um, It's an intense workplace because it's 24-hour news cycle and you're coming up with ideas every day. But I loved my job. I worked with the most gorgeous women and I had a you know jam-packed social life. I was playing a lot of sport. I love squash randomly, Donna. I I just love squash. (laughs) So I'm in this squash comp with all of my friends and I was playing touch footy and I had a boyfriend and he was a very, very busy guy. So busy social life. And I just was feeling awful all the time. So I just had about 12 to 18 months from coincided with starting the new job at Mamma Mia, where I just always felt exhausted and tired and I got sick really easily. And I think I just started to feel you know, I was going back to the doctor over this period of time, but they just kept telling me I needed to rest more and that I was probably stressed and overwhelmed. And so I just kept getting to these dead ends in terms of a medical perspective. So I just thought, okay, well, you know, and I'd really gotten to the point where I thought, oh, well, maybe this is just what like being an adult feels like. You just feel (laughs) tired and exhausted all the time. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, what it would be like when you had kids. And uh, yeah, so that was basically what was going on at that time. My parents uh, were quite alarmed by how I was feeling and that it was going on for so long and that they just didn't think I was my usual sparky self, I suppose. I wasn't really looking forward to anything and I didn't think I was depressed, but it starts to get to this point where you're like, well, I'm not looking forward to anything. Everything's feeling like really hard and real slog. And so uh, they sort of insisted, they actually called up my GP and insisted that I got referred to a blood cancer specialist, a hematologist. And yeah, so two weeks later, went in for some tests with her and she, you know, she didn't alarm me or anything. She said, yeah, we'll just do some tests. We'll do a biopsy just to see what's going on. And then she said, come back in in a week's time and get your results. And so I thought, oh, well, if something was bad, surely they'd call you straight away, right? And you would, um, you know, be alerted to that. No, uh, you know, I went back in the next week to get my results and my mum insisted on coming with me. She flew down from Queensland to come with me to this appointment in Sydney. And I remember saying to her mum, mum, like, I've got a really busy day. I've got to get straight into work. Like, we've got Sophie Monk coming in, the bachelorette, to, you know, film a Facebook Live. Like, Mm. you know, that's where my head was at, my to-do list and all the things that were really important that day. And we went into the appointment, I sat down and my beautiful specialist, Dr. Bosco, she just said, so the results are back and unfortunately it is Hodgkin's lymphoma, like your parents were concerned about. So what that means is we're going to have to clear your next three to six months and you're going to need to start treatment basically straight away. And at that point, I didn't know really what that meant or how bad that was. 
but she mentioned the word chemotherapy. So I was thinking, oh dear, this is sounding really bad. So the first question I remember just asking her was like, am I going to lose my hair? And she said, yeah, you will, but it will grow back, you know? And that was that real sucker punch moment where it, you know, lose your breath. It's that sort of a bit of a surreal out-of-body experience because it's not the news anyone ever expects to get, but particularly not when you're young and, you know, you feel like you're just hitting the prime of your life. So yeah, it was a huge shock. Yeah, it would have been. I just can't, yeah, imagine being in that situation. Wow. And then, so through that journey, tell us about, like you told me about this video that you had put together. And as soon as I got home from that conference, I looked it up and watched it and, oh my God, get the tissues out. Like it was, <laughs> it was so incredibly heartbreaking, but also so inspiring and thought provoking at the same time. Like, can you tell us about what made you want to do that? And then what it was like for you being on the other side of the camera as you're taking snippets of your journey yeah, well, I, you know, I'm a video maker. It's sort of what I've always done. So I think in video, I dream in video. I'm always thinking about video ideas. But actually, when I got diagnosed, I was sort of very reluctant to start filming because it just felt all too a bit raw and scary. And my friend at the time, my friends bandied together and got me a bit of filming equipment to go with my phone. And I remember them just sort of gently encouraging me and saying, and on the first day, my, my partner at the time said, I just think if you can find the energy to go do it, you should just go put your thoughts down. And I said, oh, I just really don't want to. And he said, I really think you should. So that sort of, you know, reluctantly I started to document. But then I think, you know, because I at that stage, like it was stage four lymphoma. It was all through my body. I didn't really know what was going to happen and I didn't know how sick I was going to get. And I didn't, you know, you hope you're going to make it, but you don't know. So I thought, well, you know, one, this gives me a nice little project to do. It gives me some kind of control over a situation I have no control of. Because, you know, in a way I could keep being a filmmaker and and it was a good distraction in some ways because then I was capturing it rather than just living it and doing yeah. it. So yeah, it was kind of nice from that perspective. And I think it was really therapeutic in some ways as well to video log and, you know, get my thoughts out. I did a lot of journaling throughout chemo, which was really, really helpful for me. But the video journaling, I think was really helpful as well. And so bit by bit, I thought, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I'm just going to capture it as I go. And then at the, um, you know, I started to think as I got good news and, and knew I was going to sort of get through this and be okay, I thought, oh, maybe I'll make it into a documentary or something. But I thought, you know, my passion is short form video. I love it. And, and I'd been making a lot of viral sort of video content at Mamma Mia. And so my Mamma Mia work wife, I, I said to her, oh, look, you know, I'd love to turn this into a short little thing now to try and just share the experience with people because it's a really hard thing to come back from a year being away, having done IVF, chemo, lost your hair, you know, changed your whole life. And then you come back into your life and your friendship group and people are like, how are you? You know, what was it like? Like, how are you feeling? And it's really hard to convey, but I had a lot of people say to me at the time, but yeah, are you going to be able to fit that all into a three minute video? I don't yeah. understand, but you know, you've seen it, Donna, like you, you can, because I think, you know, it's that story, isn't it? Of a picture paints a thousand words. So a video just, just takes you right there. And in a, in a quick little heartbeat of a moment, you can really be transported to that place. So yeah, it was lovely to put it all together. And and just to put that out in the world was really cathartic, actually, because it really just helped share, well, this is what it's like and this is what I've been through. But I had so many amazing 
bits of feedback from it when it first went out. So people reached out to me, like one lady said, you know, I haven't spoken to my mum in 10 years and, and watching this video just made me realise how futile and silly that is. You know, life is short. If something happened to me, I would want my mum there with me. So she, uh, yeah, you know, decided to <laughs> reach out to her mum and reconnect again. And then, yeah, so there were lots of amazing things like that. But then lots of cancer patients that reached out and just said, thank you so much for making this because I feel like it's given me something to share with the people in my life to help them really understand what I've been through. So that was something I hadn't anticipated that was a really beautiful outcome of it because, yeah, so many people just said, oh, that just word for word summed up my experience as well. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So then from the video, how did that transpire to becoming a book? Because now you have a book, right? Yeah. And so... The video went out into the world, I suppose, and it got a great reaction and response and it did a few million views, sort of got really widely shared around. And one of the people that saw that was a publisher at Murdoch Books. So I believe Lou, who's the head of publishing, saw the video. And then so this beautiful lady called Kelly reached out to me who became my publisher. And she said, I was just so moved by the video. And I just think there's such a helpful message in this for people around, you know, getting through tough times. And so, yeah, just as COVID hit, basically, I got offered a book deal. So as a lot of book deals, I think were falling over, they said, we just, we feel like this book has never been more relevant, really, you know, because there's going to be tough times ahead for a lot of people. And so the book became not about so much getting through cancer or a health crisis, but it's really like, what do you do when you get thrown a curveball and you got to get through it? What are some things, you know, so really the book is a combination of all the things I learned along the way that made it more doable, less crap. And is just like, this is the helpful stuff that really got me through. Absolutely. And like, I've had the pleasure of reading the book, which is, I feel a bit special because it hasn't even been released yet. So thank you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when does it get released? What's the... So it's going to be out on the 3rd of August. So at the moment, people can pre-order and then it'll be released on the 3rd of August. Awesome. So by the time that this podcast goes out into the world, the book would have been released. Um, So people can jump straight in and grab it, which is awesome. And, you know, I loved, it's so colourful. It's so bright and colourful. And all of the quirky titles, like there was a couple that really, really made me laugh. Oh, which ones? I want to know. (laughs) So I've got it mapped here. You can't polish a turd, but you can roll it in glitter. I like literally laughed out loud. (laughs) (laughs) That was from a brilliant woman I used to work with at Mamma Mia, Monique Bowley, who was the head of podcasts at the time. And I remember something went wrong at work one day and she just said, well, you can't polish a turd, but you can roll it in glitter. And that was a good mantra for me going through chemo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think like, I don't know if it's just me, but you know, when you are thinking about buying a new car and then you just see that car everywhere, I don't know whether it's like just the age that I'm at, like I'm 38, I'll be 39 really soon. And I also like recently earlier this year, lost my dad to cancer. Oh my goodness, Donna. I'm so sorry. Thank you. But I'm just so now hyper aware and there's so many people around me that are being diagnosed with it. And it's really Mm. like, it's really polarizing, but it was the perfect read for me. Cause not only what you said about, it is a book about your journey through cancer, but it's also about mindset and resilience and gratitude and acknowledging the grief and going through the healing and just making the most out of every single moment. And I think that's like you said, it's what we all need right now. And it's needed not just right now in the age of the pandemic, but like in every day to really be 
honoring those special moments that sometimes pass us by because we're so busy. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's something that really dawned on me going through the whole experience is that, and like in the case of your dear dad, who's passed away, and I'm so sorry to hear that. I sometimes hear people speaking so harshly to their parents or, you know, on the phone, I'll be like, you know, so sort of frustrated with them. And I remember chatting to my mum years ago on the phone and just being, I was just tired. It was the end of the day. I was just feeling a bit like frazzled and And I just thought after this experience, one day I will do anything for my mom to be able to give me a call and she won't because she won't be here. Mm. So why wouldn't I just enjoy this moment now and be kind and appreciate that she's calling me lovingly and we're, you know, and my mom's really, you know, a best friend for me. And, And so that's something that has really changed for me is just being present and enjoying this moment, you know, the amount of just normal everyday moments that we have every day that in 30, 40 years, we would die to come back and live our body the way it is right now. Even if we're, you know, a bit critical of it or the critical of the way we look, what we would give. I had a a girlfriend um, recently, she was working in a nursing home and there was this woman in her nineties and a woman came in to visit her who was 69. And this woman in her 90s just said, oh, to be 69 again. <laughs> and I just loved that. I thought, oh, it's also relative, isn't it, you know? It really is, yeah. And when back in January, like when dad was really sick and we knew that his cancer was terminal, so they were just managing him through treatment. But my husband and I decided to renew our wedding vows because he wasn't able to come to our wedding. And that's like a whole nother story. Oh. Yeah, so it was really special. But when we were goosebumps uh, all over, (laughs) when we were talking to the celebrant about getting that going, you know, she said to me that when cancer happens, sometimes it can, you know, really bring people together. She's like, that's the wonderful thing about cancer. And I think at that time, I wasn't really ready to hear that. Like, I literally was like, why would you say that to like, you know, I kind of wanted to punch her in the face at the moment. Totally. <laughs> if I'm really totally. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but she was so right. Like mm. looking back on that and reflecting, it really did bring us all together in a different way. And it also forced you to have those kinds of conversations that sometimes are either awkward to have or, you know, you don't think you need to have them because you've got plenty of time. And it's just Mm. about really taking those opportunities and those moments in real time and doing those things because, you know, you just never know what is around the corner. Hey. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. And I think in the book, another part that at the very, towards the beginning of the book, you say that in the first few days of diagnosis, a friend shared the serenity prayer with you. Yeah. And I'll read it out just for context for everyone listening. It's grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Like I have heard that before and it's so, it's so impactful. Like when you're in that moment of crisis and everything is like, holy moly, what's going on? And it's all happening so fast. Actually having the ability to have wisdom in that moment and to know that difference, like, gosh, that's got to be hard. Yeah, it is. I found that, yeah, it was my beautiful Dutch friend, Marike. Um, she had herself had been through a major sort of depressive incident and like a mental health crisis, which she's now written a book about, which is selling like hotcakes in the Netherlands. And it's similar in that it's a step-by-step guide through getting through that. And so she was someone who, for me, really had the street cred (laughs) to be able to have these conversations with me. So maybe coming from someone else, you know, like that woman who said to you, oh, you know, it brings people together. And you thought, one, I'm not ready to hear this. And you're not the person, like, you don't have the permission really to say this to me because I don't really 
know you or have a relationship with you. But, you know, Marike um, sent this to me and then she also wrote me out a little quote that just said, and I, you know, I dedicate one of the pages to it in the book, some things don't have to be understood, just accepted. And I think like hearing that on like the first day of my crisis was just the most helpful thing because you can waste so much energy railing against it and wondering why and why me and ah, you know, and it just zaps your energy. It's just so fruitless. And so I don't know how, but it just really helped me just to sit with it in those first few days. And it was, I just had this sort of acceptance really, really early on. And I didn't, you know, I never felt angry about it. Felt angry at my doctor who had really, you know, sort of missed all my symptoms for a couple of years and and sort of let me down in that regard. But I never felt anger. And I did just feel a sense of, okay, well, this is what life has thrown my way now. So let's get on with the business of surviving it and getting through it. And, you know, and I think that was a good thing. And interestingly, I heard the other day a it was a podcast, it was a, a guy who trains fighter pilots, and he was talking about if there's an accident while you're in the air. If something goes wrong, every millisecond that you spend wondering what's happened, what did I do wrong, you know, like trying to figure it out, yeah, you are like closer to death, basically, like imminent death, which is a very extreme analogy. But I love that idea that they literally train them just to accept in that exact second exactly what's happened and just work it out. Thought, yeah, that's a good analogy, <laughs> an intense one, but a good analogy of just get on with it, you know? Yeah, it is because it does happen so fast. Like when dad was diagnosed, it was like, and we want to start chemo tomorrow. And you're like, whoa, hold on a second. Can we backtrack? Like, yeah, I need some more information here. Like, how do we even get to this point? And, but you're right. Like, it's just, and that's what the doctors were reassuring us of. Like, we've just got to get this going. Like, it doesn't matter about how it happened or same as you. Like, things got missed. Why wasn't this picked up earlier? It's no point in going down that track because it's just a waste of energy. And right now you need to conserve your energy. Exactly. Yeah. To heal and get better. Yeah. And the other thing I loved about you including that serenity prayer in your book is how then you related it to writing a, a plan of action. And you use the example of grant me the serenity to accept that I've lost my job and the courage to get out there and market myself and the reason to know that I'm not a failure and I'm freaking awesome. Like, yeah, so good. Cause you read those things and go, oh yeah, that's lovely. But when you switch the words around a little bit and really make it apply to your current crisis, yeah. like, that's powerful. Oh, thank you, Donna. I'm glad that resonated. Yeah. And that's, there's going to be a booklet actually that goes with the book that people can download for free just as a little gift to go with it. So if they want to also work along and, and write down things as they go, because I just found, as I said, journaling through chemo was the most powerful thing that I did. And I was religious about it. I did it every single day. And there's a lot of research to suggest that journaling is incredibly healing. Like they've even done experiments where people's wounds have helped healed faster when they are journaling, because really what it does is it's an organization process for the brain. So you can actually, it's about taking the cloud of thoughts that are in your head and just getting them down and on paper. And, you know, it's removing that from your sort of central processing unit, right? So your brain can sort of think about other things. And over time, day after day of doing it, you sort of get a bit of clarity around what you're thinking. Like it's very hard to journal every single day and write the same thing down and then not do something about it. Like, okay, cool. I've got that clear now. So yeah, that was something else that was incredibly powerful for me during that crisis time. Yeah, for sure. I love to journal as well. And it always helps. It always helps. Yeah. 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 Can we talk about post-traumatic growth? Because 
I loved reading that. You said that your friend Luke, who'd also been through his own journey, told you that you'd emerge stronger and richer and wiser from your experience. And at that moment, when he was talking to you about that, you felt like he handed you a cape and turned your sickness into a superpower, which is like just an amazing like visual. And then it becomes an opportunity for growth. So that's incredible. I want to know more about that. Yeah. Well, it was, yeah, it was a real mindset shift for me when we had those conversations. So Luke was someone I'd worked with years before and I knew that he'd been touched by cancer, but we'd never really talked about it. And so when I first got diagnosed, like I didn't know anyone who had had cancer. We don't even have any family friends that have had it, none of mum and dad's friends. I just didn't know anyone. And then it sort of came to me like, oh, Luke, I remember something about Luke. And, you know, so I reached out to him and he was just so amazing from someone I, you know, had had a a working relationship with, but we didn't know each other super well. He just became my person that I could, you know, he was so generous with his time. And he just said, you call me whenever you want, you know, I'm here whatever time he sent me this gorgeous package with a teapot and all. He was just so thoughtful. But it it just gave me such strength knowing there was someone I could call. And he did. He said in that first call, he said, and I said to him, look, I don't want to talk about chemo yet or treatment. I'm not really ready to hear about that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no worries. But he did just say to me, you know, you are going to come out the other side of this like so much stronger and wiser and with a whole new perspective on life that people pay pay millions to do the courses and get coaching to get like you're going to have it because you've had this life-changing rattle up shake up at this age and he was so right you know like things that used to frazzle me just don't frazzle me in the same way you know not to say that I don't get stressed and frazzled still but you've got that layer of perspective to sit back and go okay it's okay so yeah it was a beautiful thing and and once again there was this other beautiful girl Emily who didn't know me from a bar of soap. I think compassion runs really deep in the cancer community because you've just, you just get it and you know that people need to speak to someone that really gets it. And she runs this amazing company called Bravery Co. They make headscarves for women that are going through cancer because basically she's an amazing designer. And when she went through her cancer journey, she's like, oh my God, all the fashion is so, so daggy. Like, yeah. <laughs> we're going to do this cancer thing. Let's make it look good, okay? <laughs> But I reached out to her, you know, and and must get so many people reaching out to her and she jumped on a Zoom with me and she would chat to me whenever I needed needed help, you know, and I've since been able to pay that forward, which has been really nice. But yeah, just once again, it was like the people that had been there and done it, they were the people that helped me the most. And that's once again, what sort of created this book. I was like, I want to put in this book what I do for people on a one-on-one basis, like and the things that I found most helpful when I was going through it, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the advice of medical experts or your, you know, psychologist. It's the people that have done it. Yeah. That mindset is so important when you're going through that healing process, right? Like for no matter what you're going through, whether it be cancer or, or anything, like you said in the book, it can be divorce or miscarriage or another illness or anything like that, depression. And that brings me to a part I think it was page 28, which I've got bookmarked here, is that worrying is like a rocking chair. Yeah. Like you, it gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. And I think that, was that a friend that shared that with you too? You've got some great friends around you. Like how many awesome friends do you have? I know, <laughs> some very wise friends. I know. I'm like this is a book of all their wisdom basically <laughs> combined. Yeah, a girlfriend sent that to me on Instagram and I just, Like it just really clicked with me, that phrase. Because of course, when you're going through a crisis of any form, you're worrying all the time and you can get sort of carried away in these worry spirals. And I think 
that idea that um, I share in the book that a really dear family friend who actually did pass away from lymphoma um, a couple of years ago, he shared with me, like he was just so positive throughout his treatment. And he just said, look, the thing is, if you worry and you find out that there was something to worry about, then you've done double the worrying. You've done all this worrying. And if you worry and then you find out there was nothing to worry about, then you've worried for no reason. So Mm. like don't waste your energy. Just live in the moment, carry on. And then when you've got concrete reason to worry, then you can worry and then you will just face what comes and you'll figure out a plan. And that really helped me get through a lot of tense days. And once again, Emily from Bravery Co., when I was through treatment, I was really worried about the cancer relapsing. It's very common once you've gotten out of treatment that you're, you know, you're hyper aware, any little symptom, you'd have a night sweat one night and you're like, oh, it's back, like the cancer's back. And we ended up having a conversation because Em did relapse and went back and had to do a second round of chemo. So I thought, actually, I was a bit scared to talk to her about it. And she said, look, the thing is, Bri, I don't want to scare you, but I actually relapsed when I was feeling better than ever. I had no Mm -hmm. symptoms. I went in and got my routine test and it had come back. And she said, and the reason I'm telling you that is because whether you worry about it or you don't worry about it is not going to affect whether the cancer comes back or not. So all you can do is carry on, get your routine tests done and wait till you've got information. And somehow, even though that was a scary story about how she'd relapse, it just, I was like, yeah, got it. Cool. Not going to worry anymore. I'll do my tests and I'm not going to think about it in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. Because it can really get you down otherwise, right? Oh, you just be in these spirals. And I, I see friends do it that are going through treatment that do. And you're like, you're just wasting all this energy. This is, it comes back to that serenity prayer, right? It's out of your control. It's completely, all you can control is enjoying this day and living in the moment and continue to do your tests, be aware, but, you know, be alert. Yeah. You can't be freaking yourself out. And, you know, I write about it in the book, Donna, like that first day with that specialist. And she just said to me, what I want you to do is you're not going to get too far ahead of yourself. I don't want you to Google anything. We're not going to worry about what Hodgkin's lymphoma is yet or the treatment. All we're going to think about is the next three things that you have to do. And I come back to that all the time now if I'm a bit frazzled or overwhelmed. All right, what are the next three things I've got to do? I'm just going to focus on those and I'm going to do them really well. Yeah, and could do that in, yeah, for like the women that are are listening that are running their own businesses and often get really overwhelmed with that. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a full-on crisis that you put that into practice. Like it can be a daily thing. It's such a... Totally. Yeah. And doing, you know, doing that brain dump and then just going, all right, well, what is the one thing today that's going to make me feel better if I get it done? Yeah. And in regards to mindfulness and that mindset, I just want to share this because it was something that came out of the book that I'm like, that's awesome, is practicing that mindfulness when you're having a shower. I'm like, yes, yeah. because like everybody has to shower every day. Well, at least I hope everybody showers every day. <laughs> <laughs> And that can be your time when you just actually just, well, you describe it like when you're like mindfulness in the shower, what is that? Yeah. So for me, it's about trying to find moments in the day where you can be mindful that you can just build into your routine. So the one, and this was a psychologist that told me this one, she was saying, so when you're having a shower, you know, normally I'm in the shower with a million thoughts running through my head. And that's when I come up with some of my best creative ideas, actually. Yes. But she said, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> she said, instead, try and just like, feel the warmth of the water on your body and look at the way that the droplets are coming out of the shower head and look at the steam that's fogging up the glass and look at all the little droplets and, you know, maybe smell the soap and what it is, you know, so like taking in all the sensory experiences. And I find myself able to do that a lot, lot more now. And particularly with nature, like I find Mm. I'm just constantly in awe of nature. Like 
if you just sit and even just look at the tiny little details of a leaf, you know, something as simple as a leaf or a little flower, like, and really look at it, you can be totally absorbed in just how incredible it is. But, you know, it's often something you won't even look at and you're back on your phone or, you're, you know, managing kids or you're doing whatever. But, you know, even just sitting there and watching an ant, like, carry something along and do something that makes you really present and, and it's like, wow. There's so, so much richness in the world around us that we're just not zoned into because, you know, you can't be because you're functioning most of the time. But if you can just find those little slithers of time throughout the day, even if it's just a minute here and there, it really just helps calm the nervous system overall. And ground you. Yeah. Totally. The last thing I want to finish on with you, if it's okay, is talking about listening to your body. Because I think as women, and I'm generalizing, but we don't do it enough and we put everybody else before our own needs. And we seem to be pretty awful (laughs) at listening to our own body. And Dr. Libby Weaver, I don't know if you... I love her. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Right. And she says, why do we do what we do when we know what we know? And I think we know we need to listen to our body, but so often we just don't. And we just keep pushing through onto the next thing. And and you've got like a whole section dedicated to that. Yeah. And it's certainly been, yeah, one of the other major learnings for me. I'm not saying I caused my lymphoma because we don't know what causes lymphoma, but I know that I certainly didn't give my body a chance to help heal and recover during that time. I was constantly undersleeping, working late, just not eating healthily, but probably just no no clear routine. Just there was not a focus on health and well-being. And in the lead up to my diagnosis, really, my body was sending me every single warning sign, but I didn't know yet how to trust it and listen to it. And I say to everyone now, and there's a page in the book, it just says, remember, you are the world's leading expert on you. You are the only one that knows what your body feels like, how it feels to live inside your body. And if it's off or feels icky or weird, you know that. So if, if someone's telling you that you're fine and there's nothing wrong and the tests are saying everything's fine, you've got to keep digging. Be a little bit hypochondriac, I say. Not, not very, but just a little bit, you know, and be insistent. If you have been feeling really unwell for a really long period of time, document it, be meticulous about keeping notes so that when you go in and you've got that 10-minute window with your GP who's seeing hundreds of other people in that week, you've got a really good history to share with them so that they and find someone who really takes your pain seriously and that you think really gets it. Because, you know, the other thing is that we know that women take a lot longer to get a cancer diagnosis than men. Women are seven times more likely to be sent home while they're having an actual heart attack from hospital. So this is actually a matter of life and death. We need to listen to our bodies, but then do what they say and advocate for them. You know, they can't talk. They need us to care for them. So, yeah. And I think focus on rest and sleep is certainly a much bigger focus of mine these days. Still not perfect. I'm definitely on a journey still. Donna, you know what it's like when, you know, you're running a business and you've got all these other things that you want to do. But at the end of the day, you know, there's this phrase and they say the healthy person thinks about a million things. The unwell person thinks about just one and that's getting well, you know. So it is our bodies and our health are our most important gift. And when they're taken away, you'll be kicking yourself if you could have, could have done something more. And, and so living well and healthily now, and we know that 30% of cancers are caused by lifestyle diseases. They're caused by diet. They're caused by lack of exercise. You know, you just don't want to put yourself through these things if you can't avoid it. So yeah. you can avoid it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was going to ask you to finish what would be your single message that you want people to take from the book, but maybe that was just it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, so many messages, but yeah, I think coming back to the message of the video and the book as well, you know, I think we spend so much time and energy worrying about what people think. And it's like, we're all going to die and no one's going to remember us. Like just live the life you want to live. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just live boldly, do what you want because like we're all going to die. This is finite. We're here just for a period of time. Mm. Live the life that you want to live. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for giving me your time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me on your wonderful new podcast. (laughs) Thank you. You said that one last thing, you said that you had an orange note on your bedside table. Yes. And that it said, you're going to get through this and you're going to come back brighter and shinier and wiser and more gorgeous than ever before. And I just like to say, like, I didn't have the pleasure of knowing you before your journey through cancer, but I can say with all my heart, you are absolutely bright and shiny and (laughs) your wisdom is incredible in your book and you know to listen and learn from you has been absolutely gorgeous so thank you so much for sharing your story thank you Donna that's so kind (laughs) yeah and thank you for being on the podcast today and I know so many people are going to get so much out of your book so yeah thank you I really appreciate it and where can people get your book if they want to go and find it and dig into all this goodness well you can get it really wherever you get good books so um, the book's going to be you know stocked in book stores all around Australia so if you have a a little local bookstore that you love, I'd recommend going there and asking them to order it in for you. And otherwise it's going to be stocked in, you know, all all the main sort of booksellers and and it'll be in Big W and and Target and those places as well. So yeah, or you can order online at Booktopia. Cool. And if they want to see your video that we talked about. Yeah. So probably the easiest way is to find me on Instagram. I'm Bryony underscore Benjamin. And in the highlights there, there's one just on the book. And so the video is in that. Or they can connect with uh, me on Facebook, Briny B, and it's the first pinned video on there as well. So beautiful. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) I will let you go. And yeah, thanks again for everything that you've given us today with your words of wisdom. It's been awesome. Thank you, Donna. Thanks for having me on. It's been lovely chatting. Thank you for listening to this episode of the She's in Business podcast. If you enjoyed it, please share it on Instagram and Facebook, and I'd be so grateful if you could leave me a review on iTunes. Be sure to include your business name and Insta handle so I can give you a shout out too. If you want to know more about what I do, the programs that I offer, then head over to www.donnahan.com and follow me on Instagram at Donna underscore Han underscore SIB. I hope this podcast inspires you to be courageous and take action in carving out your very own business by design, where you can avoid burnout and shine like the universe is yours.